Welcome to the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insights Podcast, bringing you insights into the world of work. In this series, I'll be talking to business leaders from across the world of work who'll be sharing their expertise to help you effectively lead your business both now and in the future. I'm your host, Megan Raslan from Hayes, the world's largest specialist recruiter. In today's constantly evolving world of work, the battle is well and truly on for leaders to drive innovation and ultimately beat the competition. Often, the best ideas come from an organization's employees, but worryingly, they're not always being listened to. So, to help us understand how we can all better drive bottom-up innovation, we're joined today by David Harkin. David is the CEO of Ideas Company, 7 Billion Ideas. 7 Billion Ideas exists to connect the 7 billion people on the planet with their own ideas. Welcome, David, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. So before we get started, it would be great if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, I'm very proudly the CEO of 7 Billion Ideas. We're an ideas company which exists to connect the 7 billion people on the planet with their own ideas. We passionately believe every single person out on that planet has an amazing imagination. And before anybody asks, we do own 8, 9 and 10 billion ideas as well. Um, we operate in two, two industries. The first, the corporate space, where we help organizations become relentless when it comes to innovation on a daily basis. And secondly, we work in education where we work with students all around the world, encouraging them to think big and dream big about the possibility of their own ideas. And how was 7 Billion Ideas formed? Could you give us a little bit of background to the company? Yeah, absolutely. Well, seven years ago, this year we're celebrating seven years of 7 Billion Ideas, and it started as a discussion amongst friends. And we are still very much a, a group of friends, but we were talking on a bank holiday weekend, coming up with everyday fun, thoughtful and creative ideas. And the planet's population was passing 7 billion people at the time. And I turned to, to one of my co-founders, Jenny, and said, isn't it amazing that the vast majority of people out there come up with ideas every single day, but the vast majority of people don't do anything about them? I said, why don't we build a business and we build a platform called 7billionideas.com and it give people the courage to actually act on their ideas? We turned to each other. We thought it sounded like a brilliant idea. We got that smartphone out. We checked the domain was free, 7billionideas.com. We bought the domain for £20 and it was the best £20 that I ever spent. And it completely changed our lives as we started the business. We then launched a crowdfunding campaign to get the seed capital that we needed. And we were the fastest crowdfunding pitch back in 2012. And then very quickly in 2012, towards the back end of the year and early into 2013, we started to go into schools and businesses, helping them become relentless when it comes to innovation and inspiring students to think big. Sounds like a very productive bank holiday weekend. It was a very, it was a very nice bank holiday, a very sunny one. So fingers crossed we have a few of those this year. And how did you get into the education and corporate space? Uh, well, first, the education. What we initially built was an ideas platform and we wanted to go into schools and inspire students. Uh, we weren't teachers. Uh, our background was working in tech in the city. And uh, so we literally knocked on the door of any school that would take us and say, can we come in, please, and see if we can inspire your students, do a quick 20 minute assembly, a think big, dream big assembly and see if we can challenge your students to come up with an idea which could change the world. We used all of our holiday at the time. We used all of our, you know, literally any free time that we had. And uh, very quickly, we found that we did have a way of really engaging and inspiring students. And that's when we launched uh, our education arm, which has now worked with over 75,000 students across the world. And as we were doing that, um, we, we came from big business. Uh, innovation was something that we were always passionate about. We were very conscious that it wasn't done well in lots of different businesses and that the small ideas and uh, do really count. And that um, we decided to start exploring how we could offer and work with corporates of all organizations around how they could really embrace this mentality of becoming relentless 
And then that's when we started taking steps back in 2013 um, of going into businesses, sometimes taking what we've learned in the education space and how we're inspiring students to see if we can inspire businesses as well. And, and very quickly, again, we built the confidence that that was going to be an industry that we could really work in and go and grow in. Why are you so passionate about ideas? I think I'm passionate about actually connecting people with their own ideas and not going through life, not acting on them. We've acted on our idea, which is about, uh, which was 7 billion ideas. And it's, and it's rewarded us, it's empowered us, it's taken us to places and will take us to places we've yet to imagine. And it's given me so much. And I know it will give so much in the future to myself, my co-founders and, and my team. Uh, but I think what I'm really passionate about and what I'm relentless about is is encouraging people to get going with those ideas. People often think it's a huge gap to getting started, whether it's an idea in a business or an idea to start a business. They always give lots of reasons why they can't going and they're really frustrating to hear because often it's just a small step, a little bit of courage to get going. And nothing makes me prouder um, seeing the ideas being impacted in businesses and seeing the impact it's having on those employees and their clients. And equally, having students come forward or students who've been on our programs in the past send emails in and say that they've started a business, uh, that's what really gets us out of bed every day at 7 billion ideas. Do you think there's an inherent problem with businesses not listening to the ideas of their employees? And if so, what's causing this? Um, I do. I, I passionately believe this. I, I think the first big reason is that businesses are typically brilliantly busy places. Uh, there is so much going on. There's so much to concentrate on working with your clients, working with your employees, trying to make the P&L look better. And consequently, because brilliant uh, businesses are brilliantly busy places, there's missed opportunities every single day. We believe that businesses are constantly missing out on opportunities which could save them money, could make them money, improve productivity, client and employee satisfaction. So businesses and people are busier than ever before. Uh, but then secondly, it is an inherent problem because they don't have the correct systems or approaches when it comes to innovation. We talk about relentless innovation at, at 7 billion ideas. Most businesses, their innovation strategy and approach will be, we do want to listen to ideas. And these are the things that we do. They might have a suggestion box, uh, which they'll put in reception for people to go uh, put an idea on a piece of paper and drop it in. But any suggestion box you can open today around the world, it'll probably be empty. Um, the second thing that they claim is that they have an open door policy. Uh, most managers and leaders and directors will say, I have an open door policy. Anybody can walk in and share an idea, but it takes a huge amount of courage to walk through that door and share an idea. And that will only appeal to a certain type of person. Uh, most introverted people will not have the courage to walk through that door and share that initial idea. Um, and the third thing most businesses will do is have team meetings, maybe on a quarterly basis. Uh, they will have part of that. They might have a think tank where they might try and solve a particular problem. But that's really hard, actually, to come up with an idea uh, in a room and putting people on the spot. And it's irregular as well. If you're having it once a quarter, four times a year, it needs to happen on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's an inherent problem because businesses are busy, but because they don't have the correct systems and frameworks in place uh, to innovation. And more often than not, they try it once or twice a year. And to us, it should be relentless. It should be a 24-7 approach. And do you think this is a problem mainly facing large corporates or do most businesses struggle with this? I think it's all businesses. SMEs and large organizations, I think the problem becomes bigger, the bigger the business, because uh, it's harder to change the culture when it comes to innovation. I worked in an organization with hundreds of thousands of employees previously before starting my own organization. And there'd be a certain type of idea that they'd be looking for uh, from the top down. So it becomes harder. So it doesn't matter if you're a small SME or a large organization. Most organizations are brilliantly busy, are moving at a fast pace. And, and innovation is only coming from a few people and typically top down rather than bottom up. 
So do you think, talking about the different levels of organisations, do you think the problem is mainly senior people not listening to more junior people uh, in their organisations? It's not necessarily alienating senior people. I think it's a different degree. I think senior people have different responsibilities and different pressures. And, and different challenges on their own time. I think it happens at all levels, whether it's first line management, whether it's a senior vice president. And But the opportunity there really is from the bottom up. If you, if you start listening to employees on a daily basis from anywhere across your organisation. So I don't want to pick on uh, the more senior people. They are more pressed for time. Uh, well, so, sometimes more pressed for time. It, it definitely is a different degree. But it's a problem in every organisation because one of the big things missing is, is having that open dialogue regularly amongst employees because that's when ideas begin to come out. And you've mentioned bottom-up innovation there. Uh, What exactly do you mean by this? And what are the business benefits of uh, of bottom-up innovation? Bottom-up innovation is an appreciation that ideas can come to anyone at any point from anywhere in the organisation. It doesn't matter if you're there on day one or if you're leaving that organisation. It doesn't matter uh, what level job you've got or what your skill is, is that everybody can contribute. Everybody can come up with an idea. And what we mean by an idea is a continuous improvement suggestion, okay? Different definitions that people use. It's a change in mentality that everybody is responsible within your organisation to add value. People apply to firms and businesses around the world and organisations, and they will always say that I'm motivated, I'm creative, I'm passionate. All of those buzzwords which are used in interviews or CVs or LinkedIn pages, you don't have to look far. And someone would have said that at some point while they were applying to that firm. At 7 billion ideas, that means everybody we believe applied to the business that they work for saying that they were an entrepreneur, where they act like an entrepreneur, but within a business. But they've got to go show it. They've got to go show it within an organization. So it's a change in mentality. So the first thing is an appreciation that ideas can come from anywhere. It's a change in mentality that everybody in the organization, not just the senior people, is responsible for improving it and getting people to to start really sharing those ideas. And it makes incredible good business sense as well because in these all these ideas are small hunches which can turn into can be crystallized can turn into that idea and can give business benefits um, such as marginal gains uh, and marginal gains in ways that they will see ideas which save money make money improve productivity improve employee satisfaction and indeed client satisfaction so it makes good business sense as well so apart from the positive impacts that bottom-up innovation can have on businesses, which, uh, which we've just talked through, what positive impact can they have on the employees themselves? For example, can it boost overall well-being, uh, engagement and ultimately employee retention? Absolutely. Uh, there's a major problem in businesses all around the world. Uh, the Deloitte Index reports that the 80% of people out there are dissatisfied with what they do in the UK. That equates to over 24 million people coming to work on a daily basis. I'm glad to say I'm in that 20%, the 6 million people which are happy. Um, everybody at 7 billion ideas, I'm sure at Hayes are in that camp. It's a big problem. Uh, I'm a big Big TED fan, and I was I listened to Daniel Pink's TED talk a number of years ago about how people are truly empowered, and people aren't empowered by money. They're they're empowered by being listened to and having that freedom to actually act on their ideas. And it has positive impacts on the employee's well-being, engagement, and retention. Forbes claim that a highly engaged workforce, from a business point of view, leads to 21% greater profitability. It reduces absentees by about 40%. Uh, There's less turnover of staff up to 60% and you're five times more likely to perform better if you feel like your voice is being heard at work. So having a bottom-up innovation approach makes complete sense from a business point of view, but also from an employee point of view. It's an employee engagement program, which is happening all the time, uh, and it will lead to your employees being more engaged and feeling like you're a company which truly listens to them. 
And I assume it makes employees more productive as well, doesn't it? Which, of course, you know, we're hearing a lot about productivity issues in this country. So it it probably just makes more sense on a societal level, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think employees want to be productive. (laughs) I did a blog recently about fifth day productivity. And, you know, I kept on talking to organizations and people in my network. And and as it moved towards the end of the working week, Friday was a relatively unproductive day for a lot of people around the world, and as people were watching the clock and looking forward to the weekend. And uh, I said a statement at the time that Man United wouldn't stop playing in the 72nd minute of a football game. So why would, uh, why should we all stop working on a Friday? That's the time when we can really, really push on. And I think that there's times in the week where employees can go, okay, you know, we've had a hard week, we've had a tough week, we've been all, you know, all hands to the pump. Maybe this is the opportunity to sit back and reflect and work on some of those interesting ideas that we've come up with and really start capitalizing on that time but people typically tailing off. You can, you can re-engage your workforce, a tired workforce, whatever it might be, by saying, you know what, let's stop for a few minutes. Let's work on your ideas. At 1% of a working week is 20 minutes. Okay, Every business can give their employees 20 minutes to go work on something, something they really want to work on, which is going to help that business. So some workplace cultures may consider themselves simply not conducive to idea sharing. And as a result, employees you know, could feel perhaps a bit daunted by the prospect of sharing ideas. How can managers on the front line encourage their direct reports to share their ideas more regularly? Well, the first thing you've got to do is create dialogue. The first thing you've got to do is, is get people talking and, and talking about ideas and this appreciation, getting into this world-class mentality. We talk about 7 billion ideas. Uh, you can't watch a game of football without the commentator saying that was a world-class uh, that was a world-class moment. That was a world-class goal. But people don't, people don't talk about that in business. You never walk out of a meeting saying that was a world-class meeting or a training day and say that was world-class. And I think if you just challenge your employees to start, let's start getting in this is world-class mentality. Let's start talking about it. Let's start building dialogue amongst each other. Then ideas will begin to flourish. So that's the first thing that a manager can do. The second thing they can do is really embrace ideas, the small, the big, the crazy, whatever they might be. No idea to us is silly. Often those first ideas which are shared aren't actually an idea, they're a hunch. Someone is coming up with something because they believe there's a problem or a way that it can be improved. And you've got to go explore that hunch. And you've got to go, okay, that sounds interesting, slightly different. Let's let's talk about it and see if it leads on to something else. We do a lot of work in education and, and children are fearless when it comes to sharing ideas. Uh, they don't think of the boundaries, the impact it might have, how much it might cost. And I think we can learn a lot as businesses from children by really just embracing their imagination. If someone has the courage to share an idea with you in your organization, embrace it. The third thing that managers can do is realize that it isn't a one-off. You've got to put the framework in place. You've got to have the right innovation systems to really capitalize on these ideas. You've got to consider three things when you, when you really really going to chuck yourself into this. You've got to go, we need to have the right management system in place to act on these ideas. We've got to think about how we're going to go implement them. And then lastly, we need to make sure there's a momentum plan. So this isn't just a one-off exercise, putting someone away in the corridor, having a coffee with them saying, this is an, can you share an idea? We want this to happen every single day. And then the fourth thing is setting the right expectations with employees, particularly patients. When you're about to launch or you really want to start listening to your team, you'll probably be inundated with ideas because you've not done it before. And you need to set the right expectations to people that they need to be patient. Some of the ideas will be acted on. Some of them could be acted on in the future, but we just need your patience. We are going to be listening. We want to become fearless. We want to drop the walls of this organization. We want to hear your ideas, but we need sometimes a little bit of time to act on them. If you set the right expectations, then people won't get disengaged. Once you've shared an idea and you've not acted on it, they will appreciate that it will that you're going to have to have the, the right management and implementation plan to go make it happen. Now, do you think that some managers 
may potentially feel threatened by an employee who constantly comes up with great ideas? And how can management change their, change their mindset about this? Well, to put it quite frankly, a manager's job is to get the best out of their employees. If anybody's feeling threatened or really concerned, then uh, they've got to think about how they can let that employee flourish. They've got to put an employee first. And they shouldn't really be a manager, in my opinion, if they're, if they're curbing the enthusiasm, uh, the energy and, and, and particularly good ideas. I can understand it feeling daunting, you're under a huge amount of pressure and suddenly you've got a, a small team and they're coming forward with a huge amount of brilliant ideas, but you're a team. Okay, they're your team. You should encourage it, help nurture it, and ultimately help those ideas progress because it's going to allow everybody to be benefited. So, a manager's job, in my opinion, is to get the best out of their team. And if their team are coming forward with fantastic ideas, then they're lucky to have those people in their team. And of course, teams are made up of many different personality types. Uh, You mentioned introverts before. How important is praise and encouragement in in day-to-day management style and encouraging everyone on your team to share their own ideas? It's critical when we launch uh, relentless innovation programs with, with organizations, one of the biggest things you've also got to think about is the reward and recognition post, post-launch. And we always encourage to stay away from monetary rewards because it kind of leads to the wrong type of ideas and focus. We want people to feel part of a vision and part of a journey. They have a responsibility. They're an employee. Don't take it for granted that you're an employee. You're here to add value. You're, you're, um, you're here to, to bring your expertise into the organization. But we're also going to realize that when you come up with something that we, we need to make sure that we are recognizing you, we are giving you the pat on the back. And most people just need that recognition. Sometimes they just need a thank you. Too often businesses are brilliantly busy and sometimes we don't even find the time to say thank you. So it's critical. But I would encourage organizations to stay away from the monetary rewards. There are lots of different ways you can recognize your employees to make sure people are sharing ideas for the right reasons. For example, some businesses we've heard will will say that you'll get a percentage of the savings, you'll get a percentage of the making. And then what happens is people just concentrate on ideas which are linked to those gains rather than ideas which might just didn't improve the culture or are harder to put a financial benefit to it. So that's why I'd always say, Think through your reward and recognition scheme, but really be careful if you're going to give a monetary reward for an idea. And should a manager ever actively challenge the ideas coming out from their team? And if so, how can they do this in a constructive way? It depends what we mean by challenge. I mean, any idea that comes forward, I think needs to, the next thing is dialogue. When that idea comes forward, it won't necessarily be the final idea. It won't be perfect. Um, And that's why you do need to talk about it. That's why we're big on our own platform of commenting feature that when someone shares that initial hunch, and I use that word hunch because it came from Stephen Johnson, where do good ideas come from, his his TED talk, fantastic TED talk where he talked about hunches over time adding up. Actually, when someone comes forward and they, they share an idea with their manager or share it on a platform, it's just the beginning. Okay, you need dialogue, you need people commenting because what will happen is that hunch will crystallize over time and, and turn into a constructive idea. So a manager should listen, they should talk, get into a dialogue, but also open up the dialogue to more people to see what they think, because that way you'll have a better idea coming forward from your employees. And how important is it that bottom-up innovation and ideas sharing is role modelled within a business at all levels of the business? To us, if you're going to launch a bottom-up innovation approach and start becoming relentless when it comes to this, then ideas can come from all people at any given time. The most important thing that you've got to do 
is once you've implemented those ideas post-launch, is start showing role model shots, start showing best practices, case studies, examples, and not just the big ideas, the small ideas, okay? All type of ideas so people get a good grasp of what do people mean by bottom-up innovation? What kind of ideas do you want from me going forward? So you've got to show good role models. You've got to make good case studies and examples of people. The pat on the back, the photos, using social media wisely, giving out certificates, whatever it might be, then everybody will start realizing that, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. And what impact does it have if an employee shares a good idea and it's not actioned or not actioned quickly enough? Well, this comes back to setting the right expectations about patience and making sure that when you launch it and you get hundreds of ideas in that first week, that um, people realize that you need time. You need time to act on it. Sometimes ideas will be acted on straight away. Most ideas fall into two camps. They can be a quick win or or strategic. And if they're more strategic, they're going to need a business case being built and a little bit more research. But you need to set the right expectations and tell employees that it might be relevant now, but it could be relevant in two years' time. The fact that you've shared it, the fact it's been documented, the fact it's on an innovation management platform means that we know that you came up with it. We know that you contributed that hunch. So it comes down to setting the right expectations, asking for people for being patient, but then also often innovation management tool, it's also coaching. You know, someone could come forward with literally 100 ideas in the first month and you might look for all of them and there might be only one or two that you're really interested in. And what you need to make sure is that your, your coach that employee on the type of ideas that you want coming forward, maybe in uh, showing them the strategic goals of the company or, or getting them a little bit more channeled. What you shouldn't do, that contagious energy, that enthusiasm, you need to embrace it because that person's adopted it, but you just need to get them a little bit more focused on the type of idea you want. Maybe not a quantity, but quality of idea. So it's really, really important that you have a plan in place to coach, uh, but you're setting that expectation and asking people to be patient. Leading on from this, do you have any examples of initiatives run by businesses to encourage ideas sharing and bottom-up innovation? Yeah, well, we work with organizations all across the world which are adopting this mentality of becoming relentless when it comes to innovation. I'm very lucky to work across industries as well. And just a few which bring to mind of great examples of bottom-up innovation Uh, We work with a hospitality firm which operates lots of different environments, but one part of their business operates football stadiums and uh, serving the food and the drinks at half time. And in one particular football stadium, it was taking about 96 seconds for a transaction to happen. And that was serving maybe a hot dog and a, a cup of tea or whatever it might be. And it was taking too long and customer complaints. And they just got the team around together when they started really embracing this bottom-up innovation approach. And they just said to the team, has anybody got any ideas about how we can solve this? And someone put their hand up and said, look, two things straight away. We don't know each other's names. Uh, Lots of temporary staff work in this team. So every time there's a football game, you don't know who you're going to work with. So every time you're trying to communicate with someone, that's a few seconds lost. And secondly, the hot water and the tea bags were about 10 meters apart. So if you're making a cup of tea, you had to uh, dodge everyone to get to the tea bag and get to the hot water. They just made those two changes, the, the average transaction time being under 60 seconds, which was a dramatic change on their business. We work with an organization in the education space employing uh, 350 employees in a really hot country. And the first day that one of our programs was was launched with them, um, uh, one of their mums came forward, just returned back to work, uh, just from back from maternity leave, and she was still breastfeeding. And she had to go in the day to go pump milk five or six times. She had to go find a toilet, a cubicle in a really hot, stuffy country. And she just said, can't we please have a mother's room somewhere in this establishment? Six people said they were doing exactly the same thing in that school, which makes nearly 2% of their workforce, that the school completely acted on it immediately, made a mother's room. And for those 2% people, it made their day much easier. And even in the engineering space, we sat down with a managing director who was a little bit 
skeptical about bottom-up innovation. Could it really, really work? And by chance, we had a maintenance cleaner come into the room and we said, look, let's ask this person if they've seen an idea which could improve the business. And a little bit of a gamble, but we did it. The person uh, went quiet for a few seconds and they said that we waste too much water. This particular manufacturing engineering company and one of their plants, they were uh, creating these pipes and they used to flush them out every time they created one of these pipes with some water using a different barrel, different case. And at the at the bottom of each of these cases was about four litres of water, um, which once they do it, they literally just poured on the floor and put the next pipe in and got the next case. And the employee was like, surely we can use that four litres of water every time and utilise it. They quickly did a calculation of how many of these pipes that they were making on a daily basis, weekly basis, and they, they calculated it was about 1.1 million litres of water literally being wasted. So they're brilliant examples. Again, we've got countless thousands more which come from our employees on a daily basis across all industries. You can see why we're incredibly passionate about it, because all of those were just small marginal gain ideas. And if you do hundreds, thousands of those, what happens is you have uh, the aggregated result of a big, big impact. It's been great. Thank you very much, David. I really appreciate your time. Finally, we do have one question which we ask all of our podcast guests. What do you think are the top three qualities that make a good leader? (laughs) A good leader is made and a good leader needs a good ecosystem around them. Being a leader can be, has it highs and it can be lonely at times. Being an entrepreneur can be have its highs and being lonely. I don't like the highs and lows. I think it's your choice to be a leader. It's your choice to be an entrepreneur. But in those difficult moments, you need a you need your family, you need your friends, you need your employees around you. So having that really good ecosystem, I think, is absolutely critical for for strong leadership. I mean, the second thing is having clear clarity on your own why why you get out of bed every day. I'm very much inspired by Simon Sinek in his TED talk about starting with why and his, his fantastic book on, you need to know why you operate, why are you a leader, how are you going to do it and, and what you do. So you need to make sure that you know why you're going to work every single day. And then my third piece of advice would be good leaders really need to listen. They need to listen to their team. They need to listen to their friends and their family, but they also need to listen to themselves on a daily basis. Those thoughts which are going through those their, their heads, their hunches about how they can improve. You need to become relentless when it comes to your own thoughts. Okay. So I think good leaders need great ecosystems around them. Um, you're never a good leader just because because of yourself. It's those people which are supporting you. You need good clarity on your why, constantly reflecting, why am I a leader? Why am I doing this? If you've got clarity on your why, it makes everybody who works for you, everybody in your business, it makes their job much easier. And then the third thing is that you've really got to listen to that, those people around you, but you've got to listen to yourself because you will often not know what the right thing is to do as a leader. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insights Podcast. If you found this advice useful, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. At the same time, if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to comment below or reach out to us via email at socialmedia at hayes.com.